This is the Best Friends Podcast, dedicated to sharing the people and programs that are ending the killing of cats and dogs in America's animal shelters. You'll hear from animal welfare leaders from across the movement who will share the innovative and collaborative work that are creating life-saving successes in communities of all sizes. Welcome to the Best Friends Podcast. My name is John Dunn, and yes, today is April 1st, and unless you've managed to avoid all social media, you have been deluged with a stream of goofy announcements by companies of all sorts, wacky gags on April Fool's Day, and it can be a little bit frustrating to sort out what the real news is on this day each year, but I promise this is real. The registration for the 2021 Best Friends National Conference opened today. Go to bestfriends.org slash conference. It is happening June 23rd and 24th, and it will be virtual. And yeah, we're all pretty zoomed out, and you may be saying, how good could a virtual conference actually be? Well, it's going to be really good. We'll share more in the next few weeks about the content and how it's all going to work, but the team at Best Friends that puts the conference together each year, truly the best there is, and they've put a lot of thought and creativity into developing this, so we're not just going to be sitting in front of our laptops like zombies for two days. It's going to be fun and interactive, and it's only $55 to register. But this is very exciting because you, as a listener of the Best Friends podcast, you get a discount of $10, so just $45. When you go to register, you can enter the promo code PODCAST, all lowercase. That's important. Again, enter the promo code PODCAST, all lowercase, for $10 off. And even if you're not going to be around for those two days, if you register, you get access to all the content. So really an incredible deal. So go to bestfriends.org slash conference, promo code podcast, all lowercase. Now, today's episode is all about my favorite topic, kittens. It's springtime, which for many of us in this work, we dread it, right? It's kitten season. But depending on where you live, it's not even a season. This is just another Thursday with lots and lots of tiny mouths to feed. Saving orphan kittens in a shelter environment takes a lot of resources. I mean, if it didn't, there would be more than just a handful of dedicated kitten nurseries around the country. Thankfully, the options aren't so binary where it's full-blown kitten nursery or death. There are some great resources and programs out there. Kitten Lady, of course, Hannah Shaw. She really helped bring neonatal kitten care to the masses over the last 10 years or so. She was our guest on episode 10. You should check that out. But there are programs administered through shelters that are actively engaging the public, everyone working together to save them, which today takes us to Long Beach, California. It is in Los Angeles County, so technically a suburb of L.A. if you're not too familiar with the geography. Long Beach Animal Care Services serves half a million residents, and they are saving those tiny kittens thanks to a partnership with a local rescue organization called Helen Sanders Cat Paws and a willingness from the shelter to try something different because the old way just wasn't working. Through what they call kitten kits, They are arming animal-loving members of the public with the supplies and knowledge they need to successfully foster orphan kittens. Okay, I know that probably sounds like a regular old foster program, and it essentially is, but it's the recruitment of those foster parents that makes this different, and it's an excellent example of community-supported sheltering in action. So if you're an organization that takes in kittens and you're struggling to save them, this is for you. 
And if you're with a rescue organization, small, large, or anything in between, this is also for you because you can play a crucial role in kitten lifesaving in your community. And that goes for those of you who run organizations that are focused on dogs or bunnies or iguanas, whatever. The barrier to entry on this one is pretty low. And while it might feel like mission creep, I can make a pretty good case that saving lives, regardless of species, is the mission. Stacy Danes is the director for Long Beach Animal Care Services, and she walked me through the Kitten Kits program. Stacy, this program, you know, it, it's simple, it's incredibly cost effective, and you want to talk about community supported sheltering. I mean, this is engaging the public in such a meaningful way, right? I mean, it's great and repeatable. I hope people hear this and learn from it and look at implementing it or something like it where they live, because Lord knows we've got a lot of kittens to save, don't we? Oh my gosh. Thousands, millions. You know, I think that the real key to any program, no matter what it is, uh, especially when you are working at a municipal shelter, and I am, I'm the animal services director for, um, you know, a a, a bigger-ish city in California, and we have to remember that we have this power to tell people what to do and how things work. We've done it for years, 20, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, when people brought animals to us, we said, no, we can't, we're going to, we're going to put down, you know, don't you, don't you worry about it. Go away. Leave us alone. And that was the strategy. So I think we need to use the same strategy and just give people better answers So when people come to us and they say, I have kittens, what do I do? Uh, We should say, oh, yeah, well, here's what you do. You come to the shelter and you pick up a kitten care kit and we will show you how to use it. And what you'll do is you'll take care of those kittens for a few weeks. And then, of course, you'll tell all of your friends and family on your social media platforms that you're doing it. Um, You will have far more people asking you to take those kittens than you actually have kittens. Should you have any leftover by the end of eight weeks. Um, You're very welcome to bring them to the shelter where we will speedily find them home. If we just assume that people will listen to us because they will, we just have to do that because they will. And I'm, and, and I'm saying this out of experience. I mean, this is, this is what is happening in all of our shelters, especially here in Southern California or any shelter that with confidence, right. With just utter confidence says to people, let me tell you how to do this instead of, you know, sort of hand wringing and be like, well, you know, gosh, if, if you could please, um, you know, if it's not too much, um, you know, if you wouldn't mind, it'd be really important if, if you could take care of them. Cause we just, we don't have any resources. We don't have the staff. We don't have the room. We don't have the, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't. When we come at it with the from a position of confidence and knowledge and understanding. And as a guide, people just go, okay, they've done it for years with everything that we've told them to do. You need to license your pet. Okay. You need to put your dog on a leash. Oh, okay. Okay. But hang on though. This isn't a, you know, responsible pet owner deal, licensing leashes or whatever. I own a dog. If I own a dog, I accept those things. But I mean, this isn't that. This is a good Samaritan finding cats recognizing they need help or believing they need help, coming to you, the shelter, and saying, here, this is what you do. Provide shelter, please. And you're turning it around and saying, well, thanks very much for caring, 
but we need you to care more, a lot more for several weeks potentially, right? And they may or may not be cat owners or have any interest in being a cat owner. So I get that comparison on one level, but I mean, you know, neonatal kitten fostering is just not the same. Yeah, I would say that while those situations are certainly different, the position of authority that we can come from is still the same. You know, there's that saying, uh, you miss 100% of the shots you'd never take. So if we are teaching people that the way to handle these issues is to, oh, what you need to do is, you know, round up the animals, take them to the shelter, drop them off there, and then they'll take care of the rest. That's the wrong message to send. So what we need to do is we need to really have clear message about what we're trying to say to people. And we need to give that message with confidence and consistency. So is it that everybody will walk away and take unweaned kittens home with them? No, they certainly won't. But many more of them will than if you never asked them in the first place. And that's the goal, right? The goal is to sort of grow your sphere of influence within the community to help people learn what the appropriate response is. You are always going to have people at both ends of the spectrum that populate either those ends where one person says, you know, this is your job. It's not responsibility. You need to take care of this too. I can't possibly let you do any of this because you just want to, you know, kill everything. While those are populated for sure, most people are in the middle and they're just looking for answers, what to do. And if they can do it, they will do it. And so we need to find all of the people in the middle so that we can make partners with them and have them help us with this job, right? This work is not supposed to be about a group of people doing work while everybody else just sits around and piles on. You know, this work is supposed to be about all of us doing this together and, you know, learning more, doing better, repeat, right? You can't do that unless you're inviting people to participate. And, you know, the other amazing thing about this, John, is you give somebody an opportunity, you give a glimpse of an experience that somebody would never have that could totally transform their outlook on life, how they move through the world in compassion. Like, you could give that to somebody by just simply letting them know that it's totally normal to take care of kittens for a few weeks until they're old enough to go into loving homes. That's totally normal and such a valuable experience for them as a human being. You know, we should be seeking opportunities to give that person that magical experience that nothing else will. I mean, nothing else will do it. I'm not going to argue that kittens are magical. I'm a cat guy. So for me, they are the most magical. I appreciate you letting me push you a bit on this because I think it's important for people that may have the same thoughts that I've had on this uh, in the past to maybe work through it the way that I did. So fostering orphan kittens is hard. On a caregiver level, I think it's a challenge, certainly involved, definitely involved, much more than your average foster opportunity. But more than that, my personal struggle with that uh, has been the loss. They don't all make it. I mean, you, despite heroic efforts, they just don't. And people that listen to the podcast will know I'm bad with that, very, very bad. That's why we only do nursing mom foster opportunities in this house. And so this program, I mean, you're asking the public, many of whom have never even 
heard of bottle babies or, I mean, they don't know anything about it before they walked in the door of the shelter. And then you're sending them off potentially for a very bad broken heart. So my struggle has been, you know, engaging the public first time fosters, you know, are, are we giving them a harder than average fostering assignment? You say that it's hard, John, when those animals are struggling, but when you have healthy, quick little eaters, it's not that hard. It's really not. I mean, you said it and forget it. And if you get people in the right age, and I'm not trying to be glib, I happen to be in that age group where you are waking up, you know, every three or four hours every night. You know, if you can find the right group of people whose it fits into their lifestyle, and there's so many of them, they're not a hard group of animals. They're really not. We're not talking about, you know, having, you know, newborn human children where you will have to do this, you know, who have colic and can't sleep through the night and who can't eat here and you are, you know, you don't sleep um, or you have five or six litters of kittens, you know, those are extreme situations that people get themselves into because they're desperate to address the problem. Right. And for some reason it's easier for them to take on that work instead of create the relationships that you need to have with people that are positive and healthy and joyful to get them just to like, just foster with the one litter that you found. Most of these kittens, most of them are going to do fine. They really are. They're going to be just fine. So it's really not a matter of convincing somebody about the easy stuff. It's being able to provide a good network of resources when it's not easy, when it's hard and giving people an out. And I think we would all agree that when it comes to kittens, the really the goal here is to, it's sort of a centripetal experience. Like you're, you're, you're just trying to let's, let's, let's save the ones that can be saved that are healthy and will live if they just have, you know, a full belly and a warm bed and a caring person. And then you sort of work out from there, right? Until you get to the like really hard cases, you know, really serious medical management issues. But that is not a problem of kittens. You know, having enough people do this work, I I am convinced is not because this work is so hard. Not having enough people do this work is a totally different conversation (laughs) about having relationships and not eating our own, which is what our industry tends to do, right? And so when people see the craziness that is animal welfare at times, the normal regular folk who you and I are not, we're no longer card-carrying members of that group, they see us and they're like, I don't want any part of that mess. And we're missing an opportunity to really engage a caring, capable workforce that would be happy to foster a litter of kittens, maybe not five litters of kittens, and maybe not all of them, you know, going to the emergency room every other hour for the rest of their summer. Uh, But that's not who we're talking about. We're talking about your easy peasy little babies that are going to really just do fine. So... The kitten kits. So, I mean, you know, when you started this, I mean, what, what was the fate of kittens? Through oh, wow. Years ago? I mean, what, what was the process of somebody showed up at the door? Uh, did I see uh, in a video you called it long L-backs? Long backs? L-backs, yeah. L-backs. Long Beach Animal Care Services, L-B-A-C-S. So four, L-backs. four years ago, I walk in and I've got some kittens that I found. What happens? 
Oh gosh. Four years ago, you walk in and, and you have some kittens that you found. We did ask you, will you take them back for just like a minute? But we, there's a lot of hand, hand wringing involved with that. And so not a lot of success with people saying, sure. It was a lot like you were saying, why would I do that? I brought them to you. So what we would do is if those kittens were weaned, then we would keep them. If they were under eight weeks old, we would see if a rescue would take them. And if they were unweaned, we would keep them until three o'clock in the afternoon to see if rescue would take them. And if rescue wouldn't take them, they would be killed. What we did not do is we did not attempt to try to feed them or do any sort of spell. I mean, we would like take, like we would keep them warm, but we weren't making any extraordinary efforts to support them. And that's not lack of compassion, to be very clear. That's no, that's lack of resources. I mean, you know, I mean, your kitten season in, in LA is what, like about a four week window? <laughs> 13 months long. Wait a minute. <laughs> I can't be right. You're the expert. So, uh, you, I mean, your save rate had to improve. Do you know offhand what it was then? Um, about four years ago, our save rate was in the upper 60s. Okay. So, and today you're very close 98%. to 98%. 98%. Yeah. In four years. Yes. Congratulations. Well, yeah. Now now we've got to sustain that. Now let's make that sustainable. Well, you talked to me about the implementation of it because programs like this, uh, you know, this is a big change. And, you know, it's easy for us to have a conversation on a podcast about it or put it on a website for people to understand how to do it. But it's, you know, the the devil, I guess, in the details. I mean, the actual implementation of it, you got a lot of stakeholders and I mean, there, there's a lot to actually getting something like this and making it happen. So the kitten kits were, and I, I cannot emphasize enough. When people come to you and they want to help you, you just have to say yes. Like you you just can't be like, oh, no, we just can't possibly, but you got to figure it out. Like you just need to, I mean, I feel like so much of my job is getting things out of people's way to help animals. Like that's my job, removing barriers and obstacles to life-saving. That's it. And because I know about this work, you know, I should be able to expertly go, that's a barrier and pluck it up and then make sure that that pathway is clear for whoever is on it, whether it's the shelter staff, whether it's an owner, whether it's a caretaker, whether it's a rescue group, whatever, that the pathway to helping animals in our shelter and in our community is as clear and free and obstacle free as possible. So when we were approached by Helen Sanders Cat Paws, and they were like, we have these kitten care kits and we really want you to do this. I will tell you, like this, this is before I got there. The shelter was like, we don't want to do that. We don't want to have to ask people and talk to people and have conversations. Like nobody wanted to do They were tired, John. They were real tired. So, so Helen Sanders Kappa says, no, you know, this would be really great. And, you know, people really want it. And the leadership at the time, was like, we're going to do this. We got to figure out how to do this. And so they worked really closely with our clerical staff, which are the people that really encounter our customers first and, you know, talk to them about how do we have these conversations with people? So one of the, one of, (laughs) this is the way they did it. One of the animal care staff, he was very, very tall and he's a big guy. So very sort of imposing. And so whenever they were trying to convince somebody to do something, they would go get him. They'd be like, oh, have LT talk to them. So LT would come out and he'd be like, we have kitten care kits. You should take one home. 
and you should help these cats. Okay, so to be clear, that is not best practice necessarily to send out a gently menacing staff member that makes it hard to say no. Overtly, aggressively. <laughs> well, but so, honestly, though, but I, it's I, it's that's somebody an that was kind of on the fence. Like they would have this, you know, what you would traditionally think is sort of like this harder person come and talk about helping kittens and saving kittens. And it was very disarming and it wasn't scary. And it was like, oh, you know, if this guy thinks it's a great idea, maybe it's a great idea. But he was so successful, not scaring people, but he was very successful in getting people to take the kittens back. Um, And of course, everybody would always have a free pass. Like if this doesn't work out and it's just not for you, bring them back, just but give this a try. So when this organization, Helen Sanders Cat Paws, came to us and said, we will supply you with these kits. You just have to give them to people. That's all you have to do. Just give them to people. They even had information on the inside the kits to call Helen Sanders Cat Paws with questions. And so we were like, we can do this, you know, and it was also, it was kind of fun because it gave the person stuff. Like, it's like, this isn't hard. It's just feeding a kitten. That's all this is like keeping it warm. And it's feeding it. It's not, it's not rocket science. It's very, very simple stuff. You know, when it's simple, right? When you have a little piglet who really wants to eat, it's not hard. It's really easy. It's hard when it's hard. How much is each kit? About 50 bucks. Okay. Well, knowing it's a very difficult equation because of a ton of variables, right? What is the average cost, say, give or take to shelter a neonate? Just give me a number. Oh, yeah. If we were going to keep that kitten in the shelter and take care of that kitten and keep, and raise it in the shelter until it became old enough, it would be over $1,000. So a good deal from that perspective. Great deal. Best deal ever. So 50 bucks a kit. The folks at Helen Sanders, they put them together. They bring them to you at the shelter. What else beyond this container of supplies do they get uh, in terms of support? I mean, is there a phone hotline? So in our community... We have 24-7 animal control. So our officers will uh, respond to a call for a sick or injured animal 24 hours a day. So when somebody takes a kitten care kit, we just tell them if you're experiencing any issues or if you have any troubles or if you have any problems and you cannot do this, just give us a call and animal control will be by to pick them up after hours. And we never have really had to do that. I, I think I can remember maybe one or two times that that has happened. Um, but we also don't try to get people to do this. Like when somebody comes in or they, well, now they call, right? They're like, hey, I have these kittens. So a lot of this conversation is happening now over the phone before they even get here. So we're triaging in the field. So when kittens are coming, they're probably gonna stay. They probably need some sort of medical evaluation or we're making sure the kit is available to the person when they get there. And we have a trained staff person and all of our staff are trained. So FYI, all of our officers are trained to bottle feed kittens. That was not something some of our officers were excited about. We even have had somebody quit. They were like, I'm not doing this, but we have other officers who are like, I've been doing that forever. I was just sneaking. Um, So officers bottle feed kittens if need be. Our rehoming team knows how to bottle feed kittens. All of the animal staff at the shelter know how to bottle feed if needed. So it's just a normal part of care. Just like we used to put a lot of time and energy and resources into training people how to euthanize. But it takes about the same amount of time to bottle feed a litter of kittens as it does to euthanize them. So that was the argument that we used in our shelter 
when staff were like, this is too, this is taking too much time. We'd say, well, takes the same amount of time as it would to take them into the back and euthanize them. So that's important that everybody knows how to do it. So that if an officer does end up needing to go pick up that kitten, the officer obviously knows how to triage. Oh, you know, I'll just feed this kitten. I'll put it in the incubator overnight. I'll check on it again in a couple of hours. Or they know if it needs to go to the emergency clinic or they need to know if it needs to be euthanized. Uh, Usually for kittens that aren't obviously traumatically injured, they call our veterinarian to go over that with them. They don't just have the authority to make that decision for kittens. So there is a safety network in place. Yeah, I think the vast majority of issues, I mean, they're not like, I can't do this anymore. It's more like, am I doing this right? Uh, this thing that's happening, is it normal? Uh, and, you know, at the first time you hold that little kitten in your hands, at least for me, it's so overwhelming. Like maybe the, uh, the way people feel when they hold a human baby, like, I mean, just so delicate, right? Uh, and knowing that we all have access to every piece of knowledge in the history of mankind in our pockets, that's a huge help and resource for people But sometimes just talking to a a live person who's done this before, I mean, that's huge. Is that something that's available? Yeah. So there isn't like, there isn't like a human that you call. We just give them resources like anywhere else, right? So Hannah Shaw, the kitten lady, she's a great resource. She knows everything about everything kitten. Uh, Maddie's, I, I haven't seen it in a couple of years, but they had a really great Helping Orphan Kittens series that breaks down the things in like five to seven minute videos that made it really easy. That's what we used as a staffing model to teach staff how to bottle feed kittens who weren't normally like had a kitten available to be bottle fed. We also, when they come to pick up the kitten kit, if they haven't ever done it before and they want the hands-on experience of doing it, when they pick up the kitten kit, we ask them to bring the kittens and we have them physically do it themselves. So they'll have somebody, one of our rehoming staff members will be there with them to just sort of guide them. So they know what it feels like, but yeah, it's just regular, you know, videos and resources that we give to people. It's not like a human that they would call. Now that's only because we don't at this very second have a foster coordinator, but we just recruited for one and I have 22 um, interviews to do in the next few weeks. And so we will have a foster coordinator who will be able to be called to coach people if it's needed. There's just so much upside across the board to this. You know, I think we're saving more kittens. So for shelter directors who are trying to figure out ways to, to rally the community and start implementing more community-based solutions. I mean, what better one than this? Kittens. Let's save them together, right? Super marketable. It's uh, fundraisable. Not sure that's a word. Uh, And the same for rescue organizations. It's a great story for the media. It's very impactful uh, in terms of the contribution to life-saving for really very little in the way of money, right? I mean, and, and, and work on some level. I mean, even I can put supplies in a container relatively quickly. Absolutely. And, you know, if when we made our video, when we were like cute kittens, like crawling all over the place while we're the camera's like looking at the packet of stuff. This is Stacy with LBAX and I'm here today to show you a kitten care kit. These were given to us by Helen Sanders Cat Paws so that you can help take care of orphan kittens. 
The first thing that you think you're going to want to do is bring kittens to us, but you don't. We want you to take care of kittens that you find. So let me show you what's a kitten care pack. We have a bottle or a can of Tamar. And we'll have a link to that on the podcast website as well, bestfriends.org slash podcast, so you can watch it. You know, fostering kittens, it's not an unpopular task, but that's for like the seven-week, eight-week-old kittens. You know, a colleague and I were talking about this, and there really is a huge need to push people, those folks, you know, if you've done six litters of eight-week-olds, like, amazing, thank you, but can you do more? And I don't know that we're always pushing people and asking people to do that, but what's the worst that can happen, right? A no, no's hurt. <laughs> as someone who was, uh, I would say, not very popular on the dating scene as a, as a younger man, I can tell you that no's do sting, but you just keep on going. Yeah, you do. You just, you just keep asking, you know, and that really matters. I can remember when I first started, I'm fairly new. I've just finished my second year here and one of them was COVID. So it's, I feel like I've been here forever. And I also feel like I just got here, but that's something that I've heard consistently from the community is thank you so much for asking for help. And I was like, do people not ask for help? Is that a thing that Cause I will come to you with my handout every day, all day long saying what we need help with. But I think that there is this fear for some organizations that they ask for help, they're exposing a vulnerability and it leaves them open to attack, right? Because they don't have those positive relationships or the trust with their organizations, but that's not necessarily what this work is about. This work is about helping those animals because they need it. And never forgetting that those animals came to you connected to a human being that was in need, whether that need was just for information, whether they needed to be inspired to take those kittens and to become part of your sphere of influence, or whether they needed to be separated from those kittens and they needed you to take them. There was a real human need there that you were fulfilling. And we can't ever forget that. We just, we can't ever forget that. The work that we do, people want to do it and people need to do it. Like they need to feel useful and they need to feel like they're making a difference. And every time we don't ask for help, we keep them from fulfilling their own mission and we make our job a little bit harder and we don't need to, because if somebody wants to, it's almost like <laughs> if you say, oh gosh, we need this thing. And you're afraid that somebody's going to be like, what do you mean you need this thing? Does that mean that you're not doing it? Are you going to kill those kittens? You could like stop and stare at the, at the, you know, I guess the animal welfare Karen and just be like, oh, you know, and be afraid of that. Or you can be like, I don't have time. Does anybody else is, does anybody, can anybody else help? Right? Like you just move on from that because you don't have time. You don't have time for that you know, and you just sort of leave them in your rear view mirror and you just, you keep on going because that next person up there, they like, they're like, I have buckets of help for you. And all the time you spend with that one over there, you know, telling you about how, how dare you ask for this? How could you not possibly be doing this already? Cause we're not, but we're gonna goodbye on you go, you know, get to where you're trying to go. Don't let people derail you. Don't let them stop you. Come from that place of yes. It's okay to be afraid feel the fear and do it anyway. And you don't have time for the pain. So you got to keep doing the work that is helping people. 
We've got links to resources and information. If you want to learn more about how you can save kittens in your community, bestfriends.org slash podcast. And don't forget that the conference registration is now open. You can find links to the conference stuff on the podcast website. Also, bestfriends.org slash podcast. The producers, Tawny Hammond, Amy Charlton, Bethany Hines, and Mark Peralta. My name is John Dunn, and this is the Best Friends Podcast.